welcome to episode three of our email deliverability unfiltered video series. Today, we'll be talking all about email metrics and which ones you should be tracking to proactively monitor your deliverability. My name is Lauren Meyer, VP of Industry Relations and Compliance here at Kickbox. And joining me for this episode is our special guest, Alyssa Doolin, deliverability lead for ConvertKit. So welcome, Alyssa. Happy to have you here. Hello. All right. Thank yeah. You for so. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. So, you know, one of the keys to measuring deliverability is knowing how to measure your success and your failure. But with, there's so many factors in, you know, impacting our sender's ability to hit the inbox. Deliverability is just, it's a complicated topic. And despite what marketers may want to believe, there is no cut and dry deliverability score that will accurately predict whether an email is going to land in the inbox or the spam folder. I hate to break it to you. So instead, email marketers have to know what metrics to monitor in order to gain a clearer picture of their ability to hit the inbox. They also need to investigate those negative changes that appear in the stats before they have a chance to impact revenue coming from email. So that's why today's episode is all about deliverability metrics. So Alyssa and I are going to attempt to help you understand what metrics you need to be monitoring to proactively monitor your inbox placement, um, spot deliverability issues really early on, and ultimately, I guess, kind of just kick ass at deliverability is, is my main point here. So um, <laughs> without further ado, you know, I'd like to, to, to give you a little bit of an introduction to Alyssa as our guest. Um, I first met Alyssa at Amog in, you know, in San Francisco, I think a few years ago at this point, um, while she was still working at Emma. And actually, I found out that that was her first job in email. So I, I'd imagine that was a lot of learning for you in those years, Alyssa. So much. <laughs> yeah, a little bit painful sometimes, but also very exciting. So that's awesome. Um, you know, and since then, Alyssa has moved over to ConvertKit, where she is the deliverability lead. And I would say, you know, the head email geek at ConvertKit. Um, so, you know, a fun fact about Alyssa was that, you know, she was a high school math teacher before deciding to become one of us on the dark side of email <laughs> deliverability. Um, so knowing that, I, you know, I guess it should come as no surprise that in addition to her day-to-day -day as the head delivered for an ESP, she's been creating just you know, a ton of, of really informative content that's around email deliverability. And she's got a partner in crime, uh, Melissa Lambert, who is helping her with her ConvertKit deliverability-defined podcast. And I was actually a guest on one of the episodes, which was really fun. Um, you know, each episode is, is really breaking down a different aspect of deliverability. So um, ConvertKit's audience of creators and innovators and entrepreneurs can do very awesome things with email and, and really understand this, this kind of very complicated topic that is deliverability, but still be able to focus on non-email related things, the rest of, of what they're doing with their day. So, um, you know, Alyssa has also been contributing to our Kickbox email deliverability unfiltered blog series for the past several months. Um, and I, I really love the approach that she brings to the answers, you know, particularly back in May, when we were focusing on overrated email metrics. And if you haven't checked that one out, please go do so because there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, you know, but in that post, Alyssa highlighted a bunch of reasons why the open rate in particular can be a faulty metric and, and kind of how you should be on the lookout for those, those factors that might be impacting your open rates. Um, you know, so, so for all of these reasons, you know, I guess in addition to the fact that she's just kind of a, a lowly human being, um, you know, I brought her on to help us talk through some of these key deliverability metrics that all of you people should be monitoring as you're sending your emails. Um, so Alyssa, again, thanks so much for, for being here. And I think we've got a lot to tackle as always. So um, really fun. But um, you know, before we get started, I'd really kind of just love to, to hear from you, you know, making that jump from a high school math teacher to email to deliverability, even more specifically. Um, you know, first of all, I love you for making that choice. So thank you for joining <laughs> us. Um, you know, but can you tell us like what, you know, what is what is your favorite part of deliverability? Like why, why is it that you do what you do? 
Yeah. Great question. And thank you for that amazing intro. I feel like I'm going to replay that and listen to it when I'm having a bad day. So really appreciate it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so when I saw this question, I think what I was trying to figure out, I definitely have days where I'm like, I could retire tomorrow and be happy. And then I also have days where I'm like, if I won the lottery, I would still want to do this every day. And I think the days where I feel that the lottery way where I'm like, I could do this forever. If I had a million dollars, um, is when I have just done like a really great training or had a really great session with a customer. So it really comes back to that teaching aspect. Um, I really love getting to take these complex topics that I think for a while were made to feel very complex and confusing. And like, we have this information and, you know, it's not for everyone to know. And I like to just kind of undo that a little bit. And, um, yeah, you know, maybe deliverability is very confusing at times. It is very complex. There's so many things that goes into it, but I like to do the best that I can to make it clear, to break it down, to use data, to use images and graphics. And, um, anyway, so when I get done doing a training session, where people leave and they tell me like, oh my gosh, I finally understand this thing. Or that was so helpful. So easy to understand. That's when I get my little like high and I'm like, okay, I love deliverability. I could do this forever. So that has to be my favorite part is just the teaching aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's super important because, you know, it's just, you know, within our, our nice little bubble of, of email folks, I think we, we have a pretty decent understanding, but even me, you know, I've been doing this for 14 years and I still feel like a, like a moron or a newbie all the time. There's so many smart people in our industry and, you know, it just, it, it's so important that we kind of just continue to teach the next generations and those new email marketers that are always entering this field and really just kind of get them to understand what's important, why it matters and, and kind of just really had to do awesome things. So um, very cool. All right. Um, so I guess let's let's dive into those deliverability metrics. Um, so, you know, as we get started here, I want to call out that, you know, the, the, there's a lot of metrics um, that are, are kind of more performance focused that we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about today. So these include like click-through rates and conversions, super, super important to understanding how you're actually performing with email if you're reaching your, your ultimate goals. Um, but we're going to share a little bit more information about those metrics in the coordinating blog post that's, that's kind of below this, this, this video. So check that out. Um, but today we're going to really focus in on the metrics that matter most for monitoring deliverability, namely delivery rates, bounce rates, open rates, complaint rates, and unsubscribes. So I guess, Alyssa, can you walk us through each of these metrics, um, explaining kind of, you know, what they are, why they're helpful, as well as kind of point out some of those, those reasons why certain metrics like the open rate are considered to be a little bit overrated or, or maybe a little bit flawed? Yeah, exactly. I will. Um, and one thing I want to preface, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler alert, but mm-hmm. I feel like the reason you might be listening to this or watching this video or asking these sorts of questions is you're wondering, are my emails going to the inbox or are they not? And you want to know what's the percentage, what's the score, what's the amount? Uh, there isn't one. <laughs> There's no way to know that. So all of the things, the metrics I'm going to list off here are sort of like hints and clues and painting in uh, pieces, you know, of the picture and helping you kind of understand how your deliverability is performing, um, whether or not your messages are landing mostly in the inbox or spam folder. Um, But there isn't an exact number. Um, So that's why this topic is important and also um, can be frustrating if you don't understand all of the pieces to look at. So, um, 
starting with delivery rate, um, this is important because it's kind of the first step, obviously, of getting your emails in the inbox is first they need to be delivered. Um, so to make sure you actually get to that place of having your emails accepted, um, I would say I typically look for a delivery rate of 99% and above, um, yes. maybe sometimes around 98 in certain situations. Um, but I think any delivery rate below 98% kind of hints to me that there is some sort of issue happening. Mm-hmm. and that I need to dig into where those um, bounces are happening. Yeah. And I will say, you know, with welcome programs, those tend to, I've seen, you know, a lot of times figure that's the first time somebody's giving you an email address. Those do tend to see maybe a bounce rate that's closer to like three or 4%. Um, not that right. that's a good thing, but I think that's acceptable. If it's, if it's just that one first touch, there are ways like email verification that Kickbox offers that could be helpful there. Um, but I think the key is really, yeah, to, to have consistent inbox placement. I would say, I would agree with you that, you know, a 2% bounce rate or, or you know, a 98% delivery rate or higher is really essential. Yeah, definitely. And I always, if I see a high bounce rate, I do look and see if it's like maybe the first email, you know, the welcome email, or even if you move to another email service provider, maybe you haven't sent for a while, that first email can have, you know, a little bit higher of a bounce rate. But once you're, you're going and it's not your welcome email anymore, I think keeping it, um, a 2% or below Mm -hmm. bounce rate is ideal. Um, and another thing with all these metrics is just that, knowing those thresholds is great, but then you need to dive in, um, and understand where the bounce is happening. Is it all at a specific mailbox provider? Um, and that's kind of just a clue for you, but it's not telling you exactly what your deliverability is. Yeah. So the one that I mentioned in the kickbox blog post is being overrated is open rate. And I could probably talk about this forever, (laughs) but I won't. Um, I think open rate is the metric that everyone kind of goes to and leans on when it comes to deliverability, which is totally understandable. It's kind of, it's the leading metric we all see when you log in to maybe your ESP. Um, It's right there in front of your face. It's easy to track. Um, So it makes sense that that's kind of what people lean on. Um, However, there are lots of ways that that open rate can be inaccurate, which is really a bummer as a sender. Um, so seeing fluctuations here and there really might not tell you much about deliverability. And it also, you know, open rates have so much to do with your marketing as well, that those lines get very blurred. Um, but to go into a little bit of the, you know, open rates, not always being accurate, um, just to name a few of the reasons why. So open rates are tracked by a pixel that's, kind of hidden within the message. And whenever that pixel is loaded and open is tracked and it's sort of like a little hidden image almost within the um, email. So there are all kinds of reasons why someone might open an email, but the pixel doesn't get loaded. Um, So for example, if like their images don't load automatically, that pixel probably will not get loaded. If the email's clipped, which happens in Gmail sometimes, the pixel won't get loaded. Um, there are all sorts of reasons why somebody might be opening your emails, but that pixel isn't firing. Mm -hmm. And so your open rate is going to look way lower than it was in reality. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, there are plenty of reasons why the pixel might get fired and 
no one actually opened the email. It was kind of done by a robot, by their mailbox provider. Um, I know I've seen personally with my own Gmail account. Um, I have one Gmail account that I pretty much only use uh, the mobile app to check. And it does seem like Gmail uh, will load images for me automatically on that mailbox so that my mobile app viewing experience is better. I can quickly go through emails. So yeah, open rate is important, but not a hundred percent accurate. Fair enough. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's one of those, we, you know, I, I'm constantly telling people to, to really be tracking their performance over time. And I think this is one of those metrics that's super important to do that because, um, you know, it's not about, you know, okay, when well, my open rate was 30, 30% today, is that good? Is that bad? It's really, you know, was it, is that, is that trending upwards? Is it trending downwards? Are there peaks and valleys there that you can kind of dig into and see if there's some sort of issue going on? Um, it's, it's a, just a great metric to kind of see how you're doing over time. And if you look deeper, if you go into the destination level stats, right? Like if you kind of dig into what is my open rate at Gmail versus Hotmail versus uh, Verizon Media Group domains, um, those, those should tend to be very, very similar if you're targeting them the same way, right? If your open rate at Gmail is 30%, um, you know, you should see that your, your Hotmail in, you know, open rate is, is very similar, right? Within a couple of points. So if that's at 10%, it's a very good indication that you actually have a spam folder issue at, at Hotmail. So open rates are really great for, for a couple of things like that. Yeah, definitely. My favorite way to track them is by looking at them by mailbox provider. Like you just mentioned, oh, yeah. it really can help, um, uncover any deliverability issues because if you do, for example, always have a 25% open rate at hotmail, and then suddenly it's, you know, 10% for a couple days or whatever it may be, that's a pretty good sign that something weird is happening at hotmail. So I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, great. So let's move on to uh, complaint rates. Tell us more about those. Yes. So this is the one that I listed in the Kickbox blog as being um, underrated. And that's because I just think that the complaint rate and complaint data in general holds such important information um, and can really tell a great story about what your subscribers are experiencing and what your deliverability is kind of going through. So um, complaint rates... I would say if we're looking for thresholds, really the average sender probably has like a 0.02% complaint rate or maybe even lower. Um, but then there's all kinds of in between above that from you know 0 0.02 to 0.1% is typically I think where a lot of ESPs, um, maybe even mailbox providers, but lots of people who are in email kind of you know start to perk their heads up and they're like, hmm, 0.1% complaint rate. We're starting to get somewhere that's kind of elevated. You know, one out of every 1,000 subscriber thinks this message is spam. Um, and then anything above 0.1% is starting to get elevated. And, you know, I've seen complaint rates at like 0.5%, 0.6%. And I would definitely, I mean, that's pretty elevated. So looking at your complaint rate over time can really help you understand, um, kind of what's performing well, what subscribers do and don't like. It can also um, clue you into maybe some future deliverability issues. I know I've worked with senders where their, their open rates were great, their complaint rates spiked, and then their open rates started to go down. And so I could really uh, clearly show them, okay, well, complaints went up here, which led to the open rate drop. And let's look and see what happened around that time that complaints spiked. 
Yeah. Uh, you might hear my cat meowing. I apologize. But like some common things I see when complaint rates spike are list bombing issues. Um, maybe you sent an email to a list that just was not collected in a great way. Uh, you might've had the best intentions, but maybe those people really didn't want to receive those emails. Um, or you're sending to a really old list. Maybe they've forgotten they signed up for your emails. Um, but regardless, I think checking your complaint rates and digging into people who have complained and looking into kind of the story of why did they complain? When did they get on my list? Where did they come from? Can be really, really helpful. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think this is far and away the most important metric to, to monitor, not just because it's such a clear indication to, to the mailbox providers that the mail is unwanted for whatever reason, um, but because it really is, is super damaging to, to your, your, your deliverability. So it's, you know, it's, it's a great thing to, to really look into those, those metrics and make sure that you're able to kind of, I don't know, reduce those, those rates. I mean, definitely when you see those, those senders that have a 0.05 or a 0.06, if that's every once in a while, and that's a little bit of, of like an aggressive campaign, okay. Um, but if you're starting to see that your rates are kind of around that level pretty consistently, I would definitely look into your list collection practices or maybe your targeting mm -hmm. um, to figure out kind of, you know, what, what is going on. There's too many people in that audience that do not seem to like that mail. So uh, yeah, totally. Um, cool. And then I guess, you know, along the same lines are the unsubscribe rate. And I, I really think um, from my perspective, these are, should, you know, should be treated very similar to a complaint rate because they're, they're just also a signal of somebody saying, I don't want this mail anymore. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more about the unsubscribe rate? Yeah, I think unsubscribe rate, it's helpful when we're talking about kind of the line between deliverability and marketing, because it really does blend in so much. Like your strategy is going to influence the way people engage with your emails, which then influences your deliverability. And I think a lot of people put deliverability in like this technical bucket. Um, and if their open rates drop, like they want us to fix something technical when sometimes it really is just the strategy and the content and the cadence and all sorts of things. So unsubscribe to me, uh, when we're talking about like unsubscribe versus complaint is more of a marketing, uh, signal that maybe the content wasn't what they expected. Maybe they're receiving too many emails, but either way, those are helpful, um, pieces of information for you to know and to adjust your marketing accordingly. So if you see a spike in unsubscribes, I would definitely take a look and try and again, like try and see what the story is there. Um, look into some of those people who unsubscribed. Um, I know within ConvertKit and a lot of other email service providers, you can click on a subscriber and kind of see what they've been sent. And a lot of times I do this for someone who's having deliverability problems. And I will say, looks like you're sending to them every day and sometimes twice a day. And they're usually shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, all these sequences I have set up, I didn't realize that they're all going out at once. And I didn't mean to send that much email. So uh, looking into your unsubscribes and complaints in that way can be really helpful and uncover something you didn't even know was happening. Yeah. And I love that because it really is, you can see the pattern, right? You can see where it's like, okay, well, here's the welcome. Here's where you were kind of really engaging very, very regularly with the content. You're opening, you're clicking, doing all kinds of things. Um, and then all of a sudden, maybe you see the engagement fall off or you just see where you know, that, that frequency kind of kicks up all of a sudden that person just bails from the list. So it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting when you can kind of see those trends from the backside and, and fix that mm -hmm. stuff. So very cool. Um, great. Okay. So, um, so we've walked through all these, these different things. I think, you know, the keys to remember with all of this stuff is not just that each of these metrics are helpful, but 
focus on all of them, right? Not just one or two. Don't just focus on your open rate and your complaint rates, because that's what we seem to think are, are very helpful and important. But look at all of your metrics and kind of try to figure out if there's like one thing that kind of stands out as problematic or, or just kind of doesn't fit in with the rest of the stuff that you're doing. Um, I think that's that's just something that people tend to overlook quite a bit. Um, I guess benchmark reports. I'd like to talk to you about benchmark reports. Um, I, I always see these kind of as, as a great starting point if you sort of don't know what a good open rate is or what a good complaint rate is within your own industry. Um, but do you do you think that these are super helpful or is there kind of a, a better way a better way to, to kind of know how you're performing? Yeah, it's so tough because I do think they can be helpful in some aspects. Like I've seen people who have 50% open rates and they're like, is this good? I don't know. Am I doing the right? And I'm like, yes, that's, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, some people have 10% open rates and they think it's normal. And I'm like, there's a lot of room to improve there. So yeah. I think in general, it's helpful to just know kind of what would be considered maybe healthy versus unhealthy. Um, but when it comes to your actual potential as a sender and what your open rates could be, um, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's audience is different. The way everyone collects their list and manages their list is different. So it's really hard to compare yourself to all of these other people, um, and measure yourself in that way. I would say, um, I personally think people should, should aim for open rates higher than 20%. Okay. And, you know, um, above 20%, you could even, again, I work with people all the time who have 30, 40, 50 and above open rates. And it really just depends on how tight and engaged they keep their list, how well they know their audience, the kind of content they're sending. So I think it's sort of up to you of like, how hard do you want to work for that higher open rate? Are you willing to keep your list nice and trim? Um, are you willing to really know your audience and target them and put all that work into it? Um, cause if so, you can see super high open rates and engagement rates. Um, but I think if you necessarily, you know, want to keep your list, not super unhealthy, but not like extremely trim, you might have around 20, 25% open rates. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I feel like, you know, I've always kind of said that, you know, when, when you start to see people with open rates that are slipping below that 20%, like once they get to the 15%, that's where I tend to start to see that some mail might go to the spam folder, especially if you do have slightly elevated, you know, user complaints or bounce rates or things like that. When you get to that kind of 10% open rate, um, if that's not already an indication of, of, a, of a, you know, deliverability issue, then you definitely need to focus on, on targeting your actives because you're, you know, figure a 10% open rate means that 90% of your list didn't open. That's, that's a lot of people to, to be sending to if yeah. you've a very, very massive list. So, um, cool. All right. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for all of these reasons, um, I would, I would really, you know, urge everybody to make sure that you are tracking your performance over time. Look at all these metrics, um, check those benchmark reports and, and sort of see how you're doing against similar senders that, that are in your, your, your industry, but really do track that performance over time. Because I do think that, you know, your, your past self is sort of, um, your best way to benchmark yourself. So um, keep that in mind. Um, cool. All right, great. Well, you already touched on, on uh, deliverability rates at the beginning. So I, you know, I, first of all, I just want to call out that I think that's a super big bummer that, um, you know, we can't just have one, one awesome little number that can sum everything up. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, knowing that, that um, those, those deliverability rates tend to be coming from, you know, like there's, there's a return path sender score one, um, that's a zero to 100 number that kind of tells you how you're, you're performing. Um, there's internal, um, deliverability scores that might be coming from different ESPs, right? So they've got a different internal score that's based on, you know, bounces and complaints and things like that. Um, but all of these scores are created very differently. Um, they're all kind of measuring different things based on what they think are the most important signals for, for deliverability. Um, 
And so I guess, um, Alyssa, do you have any advice for people just on, on kind of how they should be viewing those deliverability scores? Are they meaningful? Are they helpful at all? Or, or, or should they kind of really just stick to those, those pure metrics that we just walked through? Yeah, that's a good question. I think things like that can be helpful if they are viewed as sort of just another data point, another piece of the puzzle, and um, just used in a way to like gather more information. But you're also looking at your actual numbers in front of you, the actual humans you're sending to, to help you um, inform what you actually think is happening with your deliverability. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I see these kind of scores um, or deliverability metrics get to be not helpful is when they kind of lead people sometimes down a rabbit hole of something that is not causing them any deliverability issues, but you know, they tend to have these big red X's and it's like, you don't have a DMARC record. I don't know, which, you know, obviously I would love for everyone to have a DMARC record, but that's not going to, if you don't have a DMARC record, it's tough. It's not going to send your messages to the spam folder. Um, and I think, and there's so many other things that those sorts of tools or numbers typically flag as being like huge issue and it's just not. Um, so I think just knowing how to look at those tools along with your data, if it's saying big red X, you need to fix this thing, but you have awesome open rates, you have great conversions, like everything has looked steady over your timeline you know, don't worry, (laughs) maybe look into it with a curious mind, but don't freak out and think that you have a huge deliverability issue. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, a lot of times we do hear something like, oh, we're we're block listed somewhere and you just, you freak out, you lose your mind, you drop everything else in your day. And then you realize it's, it's a block list that doesn't affect the destinations that you're sending to. So it's like, oh, okay. Not a huge deal. Great. Um, Cool. Okay. So I guess, you know, okay. So you know, delivery and engagement metrics, awesome. They are a great way to, to be sort of, you know, figuring out and I would say almost like creating your own deliverability score based on the things that are important for your audience. Um, but I guess, you know, what what other tools or, or metrics or, or maybe data points um, outside of these, do, do you think, like, what, what would you suggest that our customers try to, to look at when they're, they're figuring out that ever elusive question of, you know, what is my deliverability rate? Like, what else should they be looking at aside from engagement? Is it really engagement metrics that are the best or are there other things that we can also use? Yeah. So I think trending, um, you know, the metrics that we just laid out is number one. Um, but then I do think there are some other things you can look at to kind of get a good idea of what's happening. So, um, I do use seedless testing a little bit, kind of just as a first look at what the seedless thinks is happening. Um, we're not going to dive too much into what seed list inbox placement testing is right now, but I'm sure kickbox has some awesome, um, documentation on that, but it's helpful to at least see what these test addresses are seeing, um, kind of look into the message headers and just notice if maybe I see hundred percent spam placement at a certain mailbox provider, then I can dig into that more. And obviously if the person's open rates at that mailbox provider are amazing, they're not having issues there, then I can kind of know that was something weird with the testing. But, um, I do like to use that. Um, I just, again, if you are a sender out there and you really rely heavily on inbox placement tests, I would be sure that you're looking at your real data alongside of it to understand what's actually happening. Um, you know, block lists are important to keep an eye on. 
and especially those that do impact your mail. But even if, you know, a block list isn't impacting your delivery at all, maybe um, it's a block list in another, in a country that you don't really mail to very often, you can still look into it and see, um, you know, maybe if it's not a shared IP and it could be a bunch of other people causing it, if it actually is that you are block listed, maybe your dedicated IP or your domain, um, it's good to look into that and see what could be happening. Um, also with, um, spam trap feeds like kickboxes, spam trap feed. I think that's super helpful. I also like to look at that over time. So if I see that a sender has a sudden spike of spam trap hits, I can say, what did you do around that time? Did you add a new list? Cause I think it might have some health issues. Um, so looking into all that's great and yeah, um, soft bounces, are really helpful, especially, um, the kinds of bounces that tell you to kind of back off a little bit. Um, transient bounces are good indicators that a reputation issue could be brewing and it's best to go dig into that before they become like solid blocks and you aren't able to send mail to that mailbox provider for a while. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, you know, um, you know, Gmail is a, a good, a good example for this one, especially because I think, you know, Gmail doesn't really tend to block mail very often, unless it's, it's got a very poor reputation. There's something that's very clearly wrong with it. They tend to just push mail to the spam folder a little bit more, a little bit more at a time. And so if you start to see that you have soft bounces that are kind of indicating a reputation issue with Gmail, um, that is something that you should jump on very, very quickly. And so, you know, that's, that's just one way that you kind of have that alarm sounding without you really having to be paying attention as much to your stats. You kind of just like, oh, soft bounce at Gmail, time to, time to get to work, right? So. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, great. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, this, this really kind of sums it up. And, and you know, I think, I think we did it, right? I, deliverability metrics are, are pretty much covered. Um, but before we sign off, I, I, you know, I'd really like to kind of circle back and just ask you one more question, I guess a little bit more of a personal question, um, you know, just to, to learn more about you and kind of what, you know, why you're in this industry and what you like about it. So um, my question for you is, um, if you had to pass on, you know, just one lesson about pursuing a career in deliverability, um, but you had to take the rest of it to the grave, or maybe you go back to, to teaching high school kids, um, <laughs> you leave our industry. Um, I guess, what's the one lesson that you would want to leave behind in terms of you know, pursuing a career within deliverability? This is so tough because I feel like there's a million things I'd want to say, but <laughs> <Just one. laughs> if I have to pick one, I would say to be comfortable or at least like give yourself grace, be okay with not knowing everything. And allowing yourself to just like dive into that unknowing to figure things out and be patient with yourself in that process. Um, because deliverability can be weird. There's all kinds of things that pop up day to day that it feels like no one else has ever seen. And I'm sure that's not the case, but you know, you'll see in the deliverability industry, at least, uh, other people who do what we do will ask questions and be like, have you all seen this? And it's like crickets. No one has seen that. Um, So I know when I was first getting started, it was intimidating because it felt like there were these deliverability pros that had been doing this for so long and they knew everything and I knew nothing. And, um, it felt like I just needed to be quiet and that I had a long way to go. And it was kind of scary. So I think what I've learned is that even the pros who have been doing this for years and years and years run into things that they don't know. Um, and it's, you just figure it out. You have to really allow yourself to spend time, dig into data. I mean, I've spent like full days digging into 
weird things I've seen, maybe a weird bounce. You Mm -hmm. just (laughs) dive into it for hours sometimes and allow yourself to do that. Um, and yeah, so I think just being okay with not knowing everything because you're not going to is my advice. Yeah. And I really love that because I think it's, you know, it's something that a lot of us face, like, you know, we're all kind of dealing with this sort of like imposter syndrome of like, well, there's this guy that knows way more than me. And there's people in our industry that are super technical and can just speak in RFCs all day long. And and that just, I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know that one. I don't know that. Right. So (laughs) there's, there's people that have specialties, but that doesn't mean that you don't know a lot and that you're not, you know, honestly, the, the best thing you can do is, is yeah, be humble. Um, and just be curious. I think it's really important in our field to be curious and kind of to, to, to enjoy, um, the path to resolution and kind of all of those like windows and doors that you're going to kind of um, have to climb through and the walls you're going to hit along the way. And then you kind of just turn around and you go the other direction and eventually you figure it out um, and relying on your network as well, right? Like we, we do have email geek Slack and we've got lots of other Slack channels and groups and blogs you can learn from, but really it's just about, you know, being, being not afraid to ask the question and having people that you can rely on to, to find answers. So I, I love it. That's, that's great advice. Thanks. So, I love that too. Everything yeah. you just said was so helpful. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. Um, well, great. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as you sort of mentioned in your own story, you know, I think it, it can take a lot of time to become familiar with the email programs, deliverability metrics, especially when you're managing, you know, several domains or high volumes, or, you know, like a lot of, of email senders out there, um, email's not the only part of your job. You're just a marketer who's doing a whole bunch of other things. And email is one of them, um, you know, but, but now hopefully you all understand, you know, what to monitor and you're going to be able to identify what looks wrong with your program. If one of those metrics, it kind of just seems a little bit out of whack, you can take action quickly and significantly increase your ROI from email simply by kind of following the trends in, in, in your stats. Um, so thank you so much for your time today, Alyssa. It was really great to, to kind of learn from you and, and hear your experience. Um, so fellow email geeks, I would say stay tuned for the next episode. Um, we're going to be digging into all things authentication next. So super technical, perhaps, um, with my friend and, and probably one of the nicest guys I know in the email industry, Matthew Vernhout. Um, he's the founder of emailkarma.net, and he's also the VP of delivery in North America for NetCore Solutions. So thanks, everyone. Stay tuned. See you next time. Thank you.